In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Mother of us all. Amen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. That's the first time I got to do that. (laughs) It feels just as good as it seems. (sighs) Friends, a few years ago, I spent an entire summer as a chaplain in a Chicago hospital. And every week, I spent one night at the hospital on call. That meant that I was there during the darkest hours of the night, walking the hospital's, the hospital's hallways alone and checking on folks who were in the midst of some of the scariest parts of their lives. I remember thinking that the world felt so much different at night than it did when it was light outside, that it felt quieter and scarier and more foreboding, that it felt like pain and bad news were inevitable at night, Because something about the light being gone from the sky made it feel like peace and hope were gone from the earth. I remember thinking about other people who work at night, paramedics, police officers, people on the third shift, firefighters. And I imagined what it would be like to encounter the world in that state of darkness every single day. During my time on call as a hospital chaplain, I spent most of those nights sitting vigil with people, clustered around a hospital bed or tucked in the hospital chapel or waiting agonizingly in the hallway outside of a room. I waited with people for the final breath of their loved ones. I sat vigil with people, awaiting death. And it seems like those two things, darkness and sitting vigil, are bad things in our mind. Because when I think about those two things, I think about sad and lonely nights in a hospital. And I think about times when it's felt to me like all hope was lost. Times when I felt like my heart would never, ever know peace. What do darkness and sitting vigil make you think about? think that we associate darkness with monsters under our beds, with violence, with evil lurking in the shadows. And we associate vigil with waiting for bad news, for death, or for our lives to change forever in terrible and heart-wrenching ways. And that's what Mary and the women thought on the morning of Easter, too. When they went to the tomb to check on Jesus and take care of his body, John tells us that it was still dark outside. The world felt different. It felt quieter and scarier and more dangerous. And it was different because Jesus was dead. And hope and peace felt like they were gone forever. Their friend and teacher had just been killed by their government. So who were they supposed to trust now? Who would they confide in? Who would they put their hope in? Mary and the women go to the tomb for the purpose of sitting vigil with Jesus' body. They're expecting to spend many hours watching and waiting at the tomb, keeping Jesus' body safe from anyone who would wish to do it harm, keeping him company. They're expecting this day to be long, exhausting, and sad, like one of those days that you know when you're stuck at the hospital or you're stuck waiting by the phone for test results. Or you're stuck greeting people at a family visitation or funeral. 
What these women are not expecting is what they find, a tomb that's completely empty. And that's the part of the story where we go, yes, the tomb is empty. Hooray. But for Mary and the women with her, that's just more horrible news because they think someone stole the body of their beloved friend, that someone stole their chance to grieve in peace. So they go get the other disciples who also find the empty tomb, and then everyone leaves to go tell what they've seen. Everyone, that is, except Mary Magdalene. Sweet, grief-stricken Mary stays behind in the garden outside the tomb where she weeps for the loss of her teacher and friend. And one more time, she sits vigil She waits for horrible news about where Jesus' body has ended up. She waits to see if anyone will show up at the tomb. While the world is still dark and terrifying, Mary sits vigil to hear something bad. But what she doesn't know is that what she's really doing in that garden outside that tomb is sitting vigil for the most incredible thing that will ever happen in the whole world. When the resurrected Jesus comes near Mary, she doesn't recognize him at first. With eyes that are filled with tears and a heart that is heavy, she sees what she's expecting to see. She sees a dark, terrifying world that only holds bad news for her. She she thinks that Jesus is the gardener and that her beloved is dead. And then... One single word leaves Jesus' mouth. Mary. And then the whole earth shifts under Mary's feet. When she hears her name on the lips of the one who knows her better than anyone in this whole world, she looks up. She notices God standing in flesh in front of her, alive. And suddenly... The impossible is possible. Her rabuni, her teacher, her friend is alive, and death has no power. I have seen the Lord, she proclaims, with tears of joy streaming down her face. Now, I love this story, and I have a hunch that you do too. And I love this story for so many reasons. I love that the first person to witness and proclaim the resurrection is a woman, paving the way for women's voices over the centuries. I love that God has destroyed the power of death, so now we have nothing to fear because literally nothing can separate us from the love of God. I love that there is no amount of shame or bad days or scary diagnoses or huge fights or lapses from sobriety or bad grades or bouts of depression or anything, anything that can make God see us as anything but beautiful children of God who have been created and called good and deserve love. I love that God has promised to be with us always and takes that promise so seriously that God refuses to be dead for any more than three days. I love that on the cross, God saw all of the crap that humankind had to offer, all of it. And God still chose us. 
I love that God keeps choosing us. I love that the mysterious and awesome resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ turns all our expectations in this world right upside down. Darkness is no longer a thing to be feared, a place where monsters lurk and violence rules because darkness can't stop God. Darkness becomes a place where new life can be, and indeed is, found. And the act of sitting vigil, that's made new too. When Mary thinks she's waiting and watching for horrible news, it turns out she's watching and waiting for abundant and resurrected life. God turns our moments of fear and anxiety into places where Jesus himself shows up where we are called by name, by the one who knows us best, just like Mary. Darkness and sitting vigil are no longer scary bad things. They are places and times where God promises to be with us. So when we huddle in darkness and hear the stories of our ancestors together like we did tonight, God is with us. When we look out at creation and we pray for a day when the world is fully redeemed, God is with us. When we share food and drink with one another and relish in God's promises to us, God is with us. When we feel ashamed, God is with us. When it feels like we're drowning in a flood of expectations and brokenness and exhaustion, God is with us. When we sit outside the tombs of our loved ones, eyes bleary with tears, God is with us. When we fear the violent and broken world that we live in, God stands beside us. And when we make mistakes and hurt each other and mess up and get bad news, God is with us. Christ is risen, friends, and God will always, always be with us. In the words of affirmation of baptism we just proclaimed together around the font, we remembered that having been baptized into Christ's death, we are also baptized into Christ's resurrection. That means that today and every single day, we are all being made new by God. The promise of life rings true in our ears, just like those alleluia bells we just heard. New life is here, friends. It's among us tonight. God is alive. Jesus is with us. And the risen Christ rises inside all of us, calling us by name and choosing us over and over and over again. Christ is risen, friends. Thanks be to God. Amen.